The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. The, uh, <clears throat> this morning, I'll be looking at a passage in Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to open there, while I make some introductory comments. This morning, uh, I want to start, I know we were together in convocation, and I was able to speak to you there. This morning, I want to start the, the series for the semester, and uh, I want to talk a little bit this morning about uh, where I'm headed and why I chose this, and uh, then uh, use this first session to sort of provide some introductory thoughts about the rest of the series in terms of it being built on this morning's uh, talk. Uh, the title for the series this semester, and I, I think it just uh, it's been out on the boards, is Sound Judgment, Thinking Biblically About the Disciplines of Mind and Heart. And so this morning I want to begin by looking at this passage in Ephesians, which is a very similar theme to other verses that we see in Paul's letters, uh, including uh, the passage that you recently looked at in, chapter, in, in chapel in Romans chapter 12. Uh, and, but I want to focus on Ephesians 4 this morning. But before I do that, I want to outline my thinking on this just to provide some rationale because I think I have five or six sessions where we're going to talk about this, and I want to establish a couple things right off the bat. I do want to talk very seriously uh, in the times that I have with you about the disciplines of mind and heart to uh, challenge you to think about the biblical teaching regarding your feelings and your thought life. I think that it's absolutely critical in the day in which we live that we spend some time thinking and talking about the way you think and feel about thinking and feeling and what God has to say about it. Um, you live in a world that we live in a world, I live in a world, uh, where we, uh, it's almost sort of the norm to simply be reacting and responding uh, in an unfiltered way to everything that goes on around us. And I know if you've been in the chapel for any period of time, I've touched on these themes uh, over the last several series, this idea of us needing to be wise and needing to be careful and needing to be thoughtful. But in this particular semester, I want to actually speak about some very practical things that you can do uh, to discipline your mind and heart so that you are not subject uh, to uh, a whimsical life where you're just sort of being pushed around by your feelings or invasive kinds of thoughts. And so in this series, I want to line some of that out. I also think that it's really important for us to be thinking about this issue of what it means to have sound or sober judgment in this world, to think about ourselves in a very honest and accurate way. And so over the course of the semester, we're going to talk about the examples that we see in Scripture of people who suffered from uh, sort of their thoughts running away on them, people who suffered because of their emotional responses to something, either in terms of anger or despair, uh, and really look at some biblical examples and some biblical teaching about how we should be disciplining ourselves in this particular area. But this morning, I did want to just begin by laying this out and telling you also that I'm somewhat, I, think, I don't think in uh, all the time that I've been doing chapel series that I've been more apprehensive or nervous about one than what I want to share with you this semester. And the reason is this, I do want and feel the need to give you what at times will feel like strong medicine. 
um, because I think that we are, we, and I'm talking about myself too, in this world in which we live in desperate need of a little strong medicine with regard to this area of life. But I also want to be clear that I know that all of you are coming from different places in your life. And when I look out at the student body, I think it would be, if I was sitting in your seat, I would want to know this from the people who are running the institution, that when we look out at you and we think about what's going on, you need to know that we make no assumptions that all of you are having the same experience, that all of you are coming from the same place, that all of you have been through the same thing. Some of you are sitting here wondering how you're going to get through today, let alone the semester. And others of you are sitting here thinking that you're on a cakewalk and you're wondering when you're going to get challenged. There might be three of you, right? But, but the point is, right, some of you come with, with things in your past that are really damaging and hurtful and hard for you to overcome, and others of you have no idea how to relate to that. Some of you are earnestly seeking after the Lord, and some of you don't know what that looks like, and you don't really even care about it. And so what I want to do is talk to you honestly about this particular subject area, our minds and hearts, our thinking and feeling over the course of the semester, but I do it with some degree of apprehension because I don't want to offend anyone, but I do want to be honest with you, and only because God does that, and only because he does it because he loves us, and we do it because we love you. The Bible teaches us that sound judgment is a critical thing for us as Christians. But I want to challenge you this morning as you think about this series and as it unfolds over the coming weeks, that sound judgment is not just about evaluating things or ideas or people around us. The Bible teaches that it's a matter of self-reflection and self-awareness and self-evaluation and even self-correction. In the passage that you looked at recently in, chapter, in Romans chapter 12, at, after verses 1 and 2, Paul actually says this, But think no highly of yourself than you ought, but think so as to have sound or sober judgment. It means accurately thinking about yourself, honestly thinking about yourself, and not just your worth and value, but the things that matter to you, the, the things that motivate you, your level of desire. There's, there's this idea in the scripture that we have to be honest with ourselves before God. And the man in the Old Testament who's referred to as one who was after God's own heart had no trouble doing this. And if you read the Psalms, you will see it. David is very honest about his feelings and his thoughts. And he's, he's really sort of striving to... to think soundly about himself, even when he finds himself emotionally responding to the circumstances around him. So I think it's important for us to realize that in an academic setting where we talk about judgment, many times what we're doing is thinking about judgment as it relates to the ideas and things around us. And I want you to think about sound judgment as it applies to self-awareness and self-reflection. I think this is important because we start by being honest about this. And this is what I'm referring to, and I, and I want you to know that we acknowledge this, and we think about this, and we pray for you in light of this, but life is complex. Life is complex. The dynamics that, that exist between our past experiences, our present realities, and future desires, as those collide with our daily struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, leave some of us feeling overwhelmed, helpless, afraid, or maybe worse, detached, indifferent, 
and cynical. This is the reality. Your own individual past experiences, what you're experiencing right now in this present reality, the degree to which you feel connected or disconnected from the community here, from the church, from your family and friends, from the Lord. Your future desires about what you want in life and what you want to be in life and the kind of person you want to be and the way that you'd like to see your life unfolding. All those things are enough to deal with. We're all trying to either build on or run from our past. We're all trying to get the most of our immediate circumstances or avoid the things that are hard right now. And we're all sort of dealing with the issue of uncertainty in the future. Even if you're sitting here this morning apathetic and indifferent and tuned out, my guess is it's because you don't want to deal with reality and you're afraid of the future. And we have to actually recognize that that's part of life. That's part of the complexity of life. Our past, present, and future, all those things would be enough. But those things are colliding every day as we struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. A world around us that is actually leading us towards a greater degree of self-absorption. It isn't just secularism. It isn't just policies that change that we don't like as Christians. It's the normalization of being absorbed with yourself, of feeling sorry for yourself, or feeling too enamored with yourself. It's all of the cultural stuff in the world around us. And the warnings in the passage that you looked at recently in the passage that I want to share with you this morning is this concern that as followers of Jesus, we would find ourselves being conformed, shaped and molded according to the pattern of this cosmos, of this world, of the culture around us. And then there's the struggle we have with our own flesh, You think we don't know that some of you in the room are completely struggling with the desires of the flesh. And it isn't just about sexual immorality or impurity or your struggles with pornography. It's your preoccupation with wealth and material things or power. Those things that are in our flesh that are the most corrupted by sin. Those things we wrestle with every day. And then there's the whole thing of the devil. The evil one who just seeks to destroy and to kill everything around us. It isn't just that you're struggling with your past, present, and future. It's that you're wrestling with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And brothers and sisters, that's a serious situation in which to find yourself. And my concern is that what happens to us is either we crumble under the pressure, we curl up into a ball and just wish that it would all be over, or we whistle through the graveyard, we become indifferent and apathetic, we don't care about anything. Neither one of those is an appropriate response to life and this complexity. And I've been reflecting on this and thinking about the issue of our emotions and our thoughts in this world and how much harder it is for you and I in this. It's not a generational thing. This is what we need to stop with all the generational preoccupation. It's a cultural thing. Do you think 60-year-old men and women are not struggling with the same thing. Like, we live in a culture where we're completely saturated with all of this stuff going on around us. The day in which we live is more complex and more difficult in many ways than any day prior. And so much of it is tied to media and machines and information and all of these things that constantly bombard us. And they challenge us, not just, they don't just distract us to want the wrong things, they change our sensibilities about things, they change the way we think and feel, they alter our sets of assumptions. Now follow me on this, because this is important. 
I actually think that we live in a day where too often we live under the false assumption that you and I are simply slaves to our emotions and our thoughts. That there's nothing we can do about it. That we are completely enslaved by our our thoughts and emotions. That if we feel it or think it, it's got us by the ankles and will never let us go. So we live too often under that false assumption that we're slaves to our emotions and our thoughts as if the biblical teachings right there on the pages regarding self-control, self-discipline, and spiritual maturity are myths. That they're unattainable, that they're not realistic, that they're not for you and I today. It's a simpler time in antiquity, a much simpler time in antiquity, where in antiquity you didn't have things like the social media. You only had to deal with pagan temples right next door to your church that were doing human sacrifice or sexual sacrifice and all kinds of other ritualistic pagan practices. They don't understand in antiquity it was much easier. They don't have to deal with being mocked as Christians. All they had to deal with was being painted with red pitch and set on fire to light the streets of Rome. You and I have to realize that we live with this false assumption that none of this can be dealt with, that we're simply enslaved to it, that there is no freedom and deliverance from it, that there's no issue related to the biblical disciplines of self-control, self-discipline, and spiritual maturity. Those things are unrealistic. How could God expect us to be that in this world as I struggle with my past, present, and future, the world, the flesh, and the devil? But the good news is this. God's grace, God's word, the work of the indwelling spirit, the, all the things we just sang about, and the confidence and assurance we have in Jesus Christ, they're the things we should be assuming as Christians. And these things should impact not just the way we think and feel, but the way we think and feel about thinking and feeling. Do you know how many times in the Bible God's servants are miserable, depressed, despairing, angry. You don't have to look far. It's all written down. And yet they stop themselves and remember these abiding truths, that God is almighty God, creator and sustainer of the universe. And so we, we now have that same power to remember the things that matter most. And so my prayer for you and what I'd like to talk about this term is that we need to learn to think biblically about the disciplines of mind and heart. We should be thinking about how do we check our thought life? How do we check our emotional responses and actions to people and circumstances? What does God expect from me in this area? And how am I kept from pursuing that? These things warrant our attention and it's what I want to do this semester. And it seems to me, as I was thinking about the first thing to talk about. It seems to me that the biblical disciplines of the mind and heart have to begin with a clear and abiding faith in Jesus and a recognition that you and I are made new. So not to play loose with the university motto, but we walk a different path as new creatures, especially in the area of our thoughts and feelings. And so I'd like to look at Ephesians 4, because as Christians, we're not to walk in a in the way according to our former manner or the way the world around us does. We're not to walk in futility and darkness, alienation, ignorance, hardness, as those who have given ourselves over and given up. We're to be renewed in our minds and reclothed in our new selves. Look at what Paul says in chapter 4 of Ephesians, writing to these Christians, beginning at verse 17. This I say, now this I say and testify in the Lord 
that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, so many times in the New Testament, Paul talks about this issue of of being renewed in our minds, that we are not to walk in the futility of our minds, but to be renewed in our minds. What this means is we should be thinking differently. And so right here at the outset, he says, look, I'm going to tell you this, and I testify in the Lord. No longer should you be walking as the unbelieving world around you does, in the futility of their minds. You should not be walking that way. Now here's the first part of developing the disciplines of mind and heart. It starts with a degree of self-awareness and being honest with yourselves. And this one will sting. Do you want to walk differently than walking in the futility of your minds? Do you want something more, or is that okay with you? Because what the Apostle Paul is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is, you now should not walk in the futility of your minds. And the first thing I think of is, yeah, but what if I want to? What if I want to walk in the futility of my, of, of, of my mind? What if I don't really want to know? What if I don't find meaning? What if I don't care? Well, Paul talks about that right here. He says, listen, if you're walking in the futility of their mind as the world around you does, then you have to understand they're darkened in their understanding. They do not understand. They're alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance, their hardness of their heart. They're callous. They're unfeeling. They're insensitive. They don't care about the things that matter. They've given themselves up to sensuality, to greed, and greedy practices of every kind. He says, listen, the the thing is, when you walk in the futility of your minds, when you decide that I don't really want to walk differently in my thinking than the world around me, you are choosing this and not this. And he says, look, he goes on to say, but that's not the way it is for us. In fact, he says in verse 20 here, but that is not the way you learned Christ. So what Paul is actually saying is, look, if you're struggling with this, then there's something wrong because that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus wants for you or wants from you. You're just deciding it doesn't matter, and that's not right. You have to care because you've, you've enjoyed the blessing of, of all that is yours in Jesus, of forgiveness and redemption and the promise of eternal life. And the way you learned Christ is not to give up and just acquiesce and fold into the world around you in the futility of their thinking. Rather, you should be different than that. In fact, he underscores this issue that this is our base problem when he says, that's not the way you learned Christ. If you find yourself there, something's wrong at the heart of it. He says, because that's not the way you learned Christ. And then he says this, assuming you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And so what Paul is saying isn't just, if you're feeling that way, it doesn't mean, it's not just bad enough that that's not the way you learned Christ. He's saying, maybe you don't know him. Maybe you don't know him. At the very least, you don't want what he wants for you. What does he want? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When I look at this passage and think about how it relates to the subject at hand, I do think this, that the disciplines of mind and heart have to be centered on Christ. 
before we can think in new ways about ourselves, our life, our desires, before we can keep from being trapped in or trapped by our feelings and thoughts, we need to know Jesus. We need to know Jesus. You know, over the course of the semester, there are lots of things we're going to talk about, and there are a lot of practical strategies and tactics that will be helpful to some of you. Things that can be discovered in disciplining our minds and hearts. We'll talk about everything from prayer and meditation to interpersonal accountability and mental exercises and mental disciplines. But to be perfectly honest, all that is for naught apart from faith and submission to the Lordship of Christ. And so, some of you, I know, because I talk to some of you, are really struggling with your thought life. You're really struggling with this idea that your feelings have you in a chokehold, that you can't control how you feel about things and how you think about things. And you know what? Those of you that are struggling with that and want to work on it, I don't worry about that so much as those of you who think there's nothing I can do and I don't really care. Because that's futility. That's the mark of the unbelieving world around us. It's one thing to be despairing. It's another thing to think that all efforts to live a life pleasing to the Lord are futile. It's one thing to be discouraged and depressed. It's one thing to be emotionally struggling with something. It's another thing to give up and think none of it matters. That way of thinking is darkness. That way of thinking is death and destruction. The Bible teaches us that when we are found in Christ, we are moved from darkness to light, from death to life, from sorrow to joy. This is the reality. We who were far off have been brought near. So a couple of things. One, sound judgment means being honest about yourself before God. If we're going to talk about self-discipline and self-control with regard to your thoughts and your feelings, we have to come, you need to be honest with yourself before a righteous and holy God. Second, we need to understand that all of that begins with making sure we are right with God with regard to our faith in Jesus. If you're here today and you're struggling saying, I don't really care about these things, You have to ask yourself this question. If I don't really care about these things, how much do I care about Jesus? And then talk to somebody before the day ends. We come back to Christ. And for those of you who are striving to follow the Lord and love Him and live out your faith, those are great things. But we should want to be spiritually mature. Not content where we are, wanting more of Him, wanting every area of our lives changed, to see victory and a vigorous Christian life permeate all of our thoughts and all of our feelings. I know I've said something similar to you along these lines before, but the goal is maturity. Maturity is not just about personal growth or personal piety, but also mental and emotional wisdom and responsibility. To be mature in Christ is to bring that kind of emotional and mental discipline to things. To be responsible in your thoughts and feelings. To want to be wise and mature. Over the course of the semester, we're going to talk about some specific things 
that are more technical and practical. Some of you are struggling with, I can't stop thinking about this, or I can't stop feeling this way. We'll touch on the fact that some of you are struggling to get free from things that are really burdensome. Some of you are having trouble just staying centered and focused. Some of you are struggling with real issues, but you want to do the work. Some of you are struggling and have given up, and some of you don't know that you're struggling. But this is the reality. There is no part of your life, not your mind, not your heart, there's no part of your life that Jesus doesn't want for himself. And so it's my hope and prayer that we'll begin with this, that the disciplines of mind and heart start with our faith in Jesus and our desire to love, know, and serve him. And the first thing that we can do in being sound in our judgment of ourselves is to take stock of our personal faith and not assume anything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you for your grace and goodness to us. I pray for students this morning, those that are struggling, we pray that you would give them grace and strength, make their friends, and the faculty and staff members who serve them a blessing and encouragement to them. Father, for those who are feeling more energized and exuberant about their life and circumstances and their thoughts and their feelings. We pray that you would um, give them grace and humility to care for those around them. And Father, I do pray for those of us who are struggling to even care, for the apathetic and the indifferent, for those who are confused, for those who are experiencing darkness and feeling the futility of their minds, that you would give them grace to renew their acquaintance with your son Jesus, to want to seek him and to enjoy all the blessings that are theirs in and through him. Father, we pray that uh, as we begin to think about what it means to live free from being enslaved to our thoughts and feelings, that we might begin with this, that we have experienced deliverance and forgiveness and redemption through your son Jesus. May we find ourselves clinging to him in our hours of need, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.